Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to have Dr. Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate for president, join us to talk about the recounts she is asking for here in Michigan, also plans to ask for them in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. We'll talk to her about why she thinks those recounts are necessary and ask her whether the cost and the time uh, that are associated with these recounts, coupled with the fact that uh, they're unlikely to change the result of the election, does that mean that this is a massive waste of time or some sort of distraction? What is the point, really, of these recounts from Dr. Jill Stein's perspective. So you're going to want to tune in. And if you've got questions for Dr. Jill Stein, not only about the recount, but uh, about her run for president, about uh, the things that she tried to accomplish this fall as a third-party candidate, uh, you'll want to join us for that. But first, I want to talk about lies. What if I started this show every day with a proclamation that the sun is green? The sun is green. The sun is green. If I said that every day and you heard me espouse what is clearly a lie, at some point the conversation on this show would shift away from the more substantive topics we try to talk about and it would become detached from fact. We would start arguing about what color the sun was. And I'm sure some listeners would begin to question themselves what color the sun really was, or they would begin to question what my motivation might be or what my sanity level might be for constantly saying that the sun is green. Essentially, we'd just end up spending much more of our time talking about conjecture and ridiculous statements, trying to work our way back to some meaningful conversation. This is what it has been like covering candidate Donald Trump, and so far in the first few weeks of his transition period into the presidency, it's been what it's like to cover president-elect Donald Trump from a journalist perspective. He has shown time and time again that he has a platform, mostly through Twitter, that he's comfortable espousing falsehoods and misinformation on. The news of the day is directed away from what's really important and instead becomes an effort to dismantle the lies, to confront the things that he's saying that aren't true, and you end up getting into arguments with his supporters who, of course, insist that either he is telling the truth or it doesn't matter that he's saying the things that he's saying. This is the fault of many different media outlets, of course, and it is a fault that media outlets are starting to already try to come to grips with. There's a lot of conversation in newsrooms about how to cover somebody who's so comfortable with untruth, who's so comfortable telling lies to his constituents. But what is the right way to do that when it's a reporter's job to bring the truth to light, but also to make sure that public officials like the president-elect of the United States or what Donald Trump will be after January 20th, the president of the United States, it's our job also to keep track of what they're doing, to tell the citizenry about what they're talking about. I want to bring someone into the conversation who's been thinking a lot about this and writing and talking about it. Glenn Thrush is the chief political correspondent for Politico, and he is the host of Politico's Off Message podcast. Glenn, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Great to be here. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we want to hear from you as well. 
1019. What do you think about the things that Donald Trump is saying on Twitter? And what do you think about the way the media are dealing with the things that Donald Trump is saying, the things that are untrue, the things that are bombastic or ridiculous, uh, seem to be aimed at baiting people into uh, sort of side debates and conversations away from the substantive issues of the day. Should the media be covering this person, this president-elect, differently than it has covered politicians in the past? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Glenn, your recent podcast is called How to Cover a Page Six President. The conversation, and it's a conversation with the New York Times uh, reporter Maggie Haberman about covering a tabloid-prone Trump. Of course, here in Detroit, we don't we don't literally have a page six. <laughs> I think we've got to explain that in New York, uh, one of the tabloids uh, there is uh, has a page six, which is sort of about gossip and rumor and scandal. Uh, the idea of a president being a, a, a sort of stock item on page six, though, is is sort of funny, I guess, uh, in some ways. But it's also sort of frightening, and it and it does cut to sort of the, the, the core of, of this question, which is how do the media deal with a president who is uh, not, just, uh, not just sort of salacious or scandalous, I guess, in the things that he might be saying or doing, but has such a tenuous relationship with fact and truth and seems willing to throw it over the side in order to either get attention or sort of divert attention away from things that are important. Uh, talk to me about how you see uh, the media's role emerging uh, as we get closer and closer to January January 20th. Well, this trend has been uh, happening for a really, really long time. I mean, essentially, we have a, a decentralized uh, media now, but we have really two concurrent trends. Let's not make any mistake about it. There has been what I would say a 30 to 40 year war on the mainstream media by various politicians. And largely, I would have to say, I don't want to give false equivalents here. There's been some of that, I think, with the Bernie Sanders campaign this year. But uh, a lot of that is coming from the right. And if you look at, for instance, the Pew Center, uh, the Pew Center study that came out earlier this year, which showed that approximately, I may be getting my numbers a little wrong here, 70, 75 percent of people who describe themselves as left of center trust the mainstream media and a number like the high 30s, low 40s on uh, the conservative side of the spectrum trust the media. There is a reason for that. First and foremost, I think, is the emergence of the Fox News uh, phenomenon and the Fox News culture, which essentially says we are the real truth. Everything else that you've heard from mainstream media outlets like The New York Times or CBS or CNN is not the actual truth. Uh, so you have had sort of a bifurcation of the media into left and right wings that has occurred over the last 40 years, and a real concerted effort in a more cynical way, I believe, uh, on the part of conservative politicians to undermine uh, real reporting when it doesn't suit their purposes. And by the way, they've also been abetted in this, I think less forcefully, but abetted in this, by people like President Obama, um, who has has really... Uh, I think, waged war against the press when it has suited his own sure. political convenience. Yeah. Uh, 
an example that I can think of on that ha- had to do uh, with some of the covering uh, covering of domestic wiretapping, where he essentially stood on the side of the intelligence services uh, against the media. Um, the other trend here is just much more uh, the larger story of American and global culture decentralizing and people not getting material in a curated way. I am one of those guys. You sound like you're around my age. I'm in my mid-40s. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys who straddled the line between the conventional old media uh, and the Internet. Sure. So I had, when I started off in my, in my business, I started off working for newspapers, uh, never had websites. And then gradually websites took over, and then the websites ate the print media, right? (laughs) Right. Um, What has happened, though, is uncurated information, stuff that you just put out there without context or fact-checking, rules the day. That has been a a factor that has occurred really within the last decade. That means most of what people are reading is, and here's a word I, I want people to start using, it is uncurated to curate means somebody with some knowledge is getting between the reader tailoring and tailoring what's information to try sure. to tell them what it means. Yeah. That may seem elitist. That may seem uh, uh, putting an unnecessary middleman between people and the truth. But the fact of the matter is everybody's overwhelmed uh, by the amount of information they're getting. Uh, and we need to reestablish our role in the media as validators as to what is fact, what is careful analysis, uh, and what people ought to really be paying attention to. Yeah. So, so if you take that broader picture, though, and and try to focus the lens on this person, this uh, this first presidential candidate, now president elect, soon to be president of the United States, what does that look like? How does that role play out when when that person uh, is? is involved in the sort of dissemination of falsehoods and sort of ridiculous statements, mostly through his Twitter account, uh, but also, you know, in, 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 in some occasions in front of television cameras. I mean, you, you have a, a candidate who is, who is sort of unconventional in the, the most absurd way that, that I think we've ever seen in that uh, he does not play by uh, the rules of you know, fact-bound or truth-bound discussion and debate. Well, remember that, again, again, dating myself here. Remember that old line in the early computer age, garbage in, garbage out? Yes, I do. Donald Trump, you know, I've used the word Donald Trump is lying on my Twitter feed, and I've taken some criticism for that. Uh, in a lot of cases, and I think on the birther, his, his assertion that uh, the president was not, you know, President Obama for a long time, or the questioning of whether or not President Obama was a native-born American citizen, yeah. all that stuff, he's clearly lying in those instances when he keeps repeating a falsehood that he knows to be false, that has been proven empirically wrong. That is a falsehood. He's done that again in this completely wild and unsubstantiated and very dangerous claim that... Uh, and he won the popular vote. Illegal votes were cast. Yes. That's garbage, okay? It's a lie. I call it a lie because he has enough fact. It's been reported and debunked over the course of months and months and months. And, and my presumption at some point is if you are going to keep repeating something that is false, when you have perfectly accurate information at your disposal and you are willfully lying for a political purpose, I think we can't be afraid to call it a lie. Now, on the other hand, you can really overuse that term, and then people become desensitized. Sure. Um, I had a really interesting conversation about six months ago, maybe not six months, four months ago, with John Dickerson, 
uh, who's host of Face the Nation mm-hmm. for uh, CBS, and a really great White House reporter and a friend of mine. And Dickerson maintained that fact-checking Donald Trump was actually abetting Donald Trump. You repeat the lie. This was his theory. Uh, and that actually plays into Trump's hand. I mean, I couldn't uh, disagree with that opinion more. I think we've got to reassert our basic role as reporters in helping people understand what's fact, what is important. Essentially, I think we have got to start fighting fire with fire here. If we are going to be attacked as an institution for doing good work, then we have got to start using the same tools that Donald Trump is using to undermine us. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Glenn Thrush. He's the chief political correspondent for Politico. He is host of Politico's Off Message podcast. We are talking about how you, the media ought to be covering President-elect Donald Trump, given the fact that uh, truth and fact don't always play uh, the role they should uh, in, in the statements that he's making, the, the lying that he has done through Twitter and uh, other other vehicles uh, present a unique challenge to the media in this country. They have we have never faced uh, a president, an elected uh, leader of the country, who has uh, who has embraced this this form of communication that way. Uh, if you have an opinion about that, uh, the, what do you think about Donald Trump? What do you think about what Donald Trump is doing on Twitter and these other places, saying things that aren't true? And what do you think the media ought to be doing about it? How ought the media to be covering uh, these 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 issues and these these falsehoods? Three one three. 1019 is the number to join the conversation. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll get your comments worked into the conversation. Jesse in Livonia. Uh, Jesse, welcome to Detroit hey. Today. Hey, how are you? Hi. Uh-huh. Uh, first time caller. Um, oh, great. I was just listening to you guys kind of begin uh-huh. Um, I missed a little bit in when I was talking with the screener, but, uh, I've heard a little bit since, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> I'm calling in as an independent. I'm, I guess the, uh, the group of people that, um, helped, uh, Barack Obama get in the first time, mm-hmm. right? The independent area, mm-hmm. um, that they talk about. Did often you, did you vote, you voted, are. you voted for, uh, President Obama? Uh, no, I uh, I wanted uh, uh, Ron Paul. Okay, I wanted Ron Paul. In. Okay, so uh, I wasn't happy with. Uh, I'm not uh, like I said. I'm an independent, sure. so um, I'm not a big fan of the Republican Party. I'm not a big fan of the Democrat Party. I like to kind of see what both sides have to offer. Okay, and so when I was hearing you talk about what a journalist's job is, um, and then and also you know kind of pretty boldly calling out Donald Trump as a liar. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, would you be so bold as to, to say the same thing about Hillary Clinton and have you? <clears throat> well, what? what uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't think I don't think anyone's had a problem calling Hillary Clinton a liar where she's told lies. Jesse, really? uh, like, uh, I mean, just after one moment, what lies did you guys? Uh, Hillary Clinton. I have uh, look. Hillary Clinton doesn't lie in the way that Donald Trump lies. Hillary Clinton dissembles, shades the truth. I have written. I wrote a ten thousand word story uh, detailing how Hillary Clinton attempted to sort of 
cover up this whole email server, how she wasn't forthcoming with people in her own circle. I mean, we've done a ton of that stuff. There's been a ton of coverage. There is no argument to be made that Hillary Clinton has not been held accountable, particularly on the email server. Guys, the day after James Comey sent his letter late in the campaign yeah. uh, regarding reopening the investigation, which turned out to be a total canard, by the way, there was nothing new to find, there were four stories above the fold on the front page of the New York the Times, Times on yeah. a story that turned out to com- be completely sub- substantively irrelevant. Yeah. So this yeah. notion that Trump is getting a level of scrutiny that Clinton has gotten is just simply absurd. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, Jesse, I want to follow up with you, though. Uh, it, it, do, you, do you not believe that Trump is telling lies? No, no, I'm not saying that necessarily I know that he's telling lies. But what I'm saying is that where the independents come from and why we're independent mm-hmm. um, and why the mainstream, why we've, we've really kind of turned on the mainstream media um, and why the mainstream media thought that Hillary Clinton was just going to win in a landslide, it's because of the coverage, like what you just said. Uh, not you, no, it, you no, the I'm sorry, I don't know you guys. media and everybody else, that, including the Trump campaign, by the way, I spoke to a Trump campaign official at 6 p.m. on Tuesday night of election <laughs> They did not night. think they were quote, winning. <laughs> it will take a miracle for us to win. Yeah, yeah. The reason the quote-unquote mainstream media uh, thought Hillary Clinton was going to win is because every single poll that was conducted internally in both the Clinton and the Trump campaign indicated that she was going to win. Yeah. I mean, I have sitting right, in my so. email inbox a spreadsheet <laughs> put together by Clinton, one, a Clinton pollster who was sending me information in real time that had them winning your state by five points. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no, I've, I've seen those numbers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, can, I, can I just address this for a second? Yeah, go ahead. And obviously, you can hear the agitation in my voice, right? The notion, first of all, there's no such thing as the mainstream media in the way that it has been portrayed. I think what people want is centrality. They want someone to blame. They want a particular player to look at. And the truth of the matter is, we're in a fragmented... Uh, utterly Wild West media environment right now, where even a paper like the New York Times is, uh, um, you know, when Donald Trump calls the New York Times the failing New York Times, he's wrong. Yeah. But he is referring to the fact that their business model, like every other business model in print journalism, is crumbling. Yeah. You know, they're about to do a bunch of layoffs in January, a ton of layoffs in January. So this is not, these are not institutions that are static and are sort of dictating to the American people. They're evolving with the times. And I think the real problem here is People love calling out the mainstream media because it's a lot easier than looking at the institutions a la carte. For instance, the way that the cable television networks, CNN in particular, dealt with the Donald Trump phenomenon when he first arose. That, I think, is something we need to scrutinize more. For instance, showing an empty podium when Donald Trump, for 30 minutes when, before Donald Trump uh, showed up to give a press conference, Trump manipulated them tremendously, and there are estimates that the free or earned media that Trump got from sort of manipulating basic cable was worth two to three billion dollars of campaign ad spending. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Brandon. Brandon in Bloomfield Hills. Welcome Hi, to Stephen. Detroit today. Hey, how are you? That's even good. Thank you. Um, I, I just wanted to point out after 1949, the FCC had something known as the Fairness Doctrine. Right. That basically guaranteed that it, it didn't guarantee, but it let it put some controls in to make sure the media, what was called, is honest and balanced. And then in the 1980s, that was repealed. And then I think you can see from there the rise of things like Fox News and and other media outlets like that. So I don't know really what the real political motivations were um, for repealing that, but 
there's always these things, including like Citizens United, that are, are undone under the idea of free speech. And I just wonder, like, at what point do we stop blanketing everything under free speech? I understand protection of subject things. Like, if you want to say our government is terrible, that's fine. But as soon as you say because and you're giving in detail, I, I don't think free speech should protect outright lies. And I'll take the rest uh, off here. Brandon, uh, yeah, uh, Brandon, okay, thank ahead, you Steven. very much. Uh, so thank you very much for that call. I think that's a really interesting uh, point. Uh, the, the the idea that uh, that fact should matter, uh, and maybe in a legal sense. I mean, of course, I, I think First Amendment law pretty. Uh, pretty thoroughly debunks the idea that that uh, that you would be somehow punished or disallowed uh, from telling a lie. But but I think what what Brandon's talking about there is this this uh, this desire among the citizenry to have some sort of governance over this, to have some sort of way to know definitively that something is true or false. And, and that gets to your point, Glenn Thrush, about this, this sort of fragmentation of media. You have so many different ways that people can get information. And I think they're very well aware that they cannot trust all of them. And they're, I hear from a lot of people that they want a way, some, some sort of guide that would, uh, that would tell them what's true and what's not. In Brandon's case, he's saying, you know, maybe it's the First Amendment. I'm not sure that's the right tool. But I think it, it, what he's after is, is, pretty, is pretty common. Well, look, I think the one thing that was really striking, uh, and I agree with your caller sort of about the outrage about how many lives are being told. I, I completely sympathize with him on that. But the one thing I would say is his argument is identical to Donald Trump's argument. Donald Trump has, you know, quite controversially during the election, argued that uh, reporters were telling so many quote-unquote lies about him that we, uh, that we needed to revisit right. the first, some of the decisions and the First Amendment protections for, for uh, the way that reporters write about him. Right. Um, I am very happy. There are very few things that make me happy when I wake up in the morning. I think settled law on First Amendment uh, right now is one of, I think, the real achievements of our country. And I think People do have the right to lie. There are certain lies that, of course, are justiciable, that you can sue people on or incarcerate them sure. on, perjury, uh, uh, libel, uh, right. slander, yeah. um, and, uh, and libel, uh, which all, by the way, uh, if you remember the movie from the 1970s, require uh, the proving of malice of forethought, yeah. people who set out to tell a lie for a malicious intent. People, you know, people... It's very hard to sort of grade the truth from a legal perspective. But here's the point. We don't need a legal remedy for this. That isn't the answer. The answer for, is for us as a, country, as a business, uh, journalism business, to, to, I think, reorient ourselves in the fact-checking business. I think we have got to start incorporating a rigorous, nonpartisan uh, fact-checking component in all of our work. I was yes. a big fan, for instance, and the debate commission turned this idea down, of having real-time fact-checking, either on a Chiron or through uh, the moderators uh, during, uh, during the debate. So if somebody said something which was patently false, uh, the moderator or some other actor would uh, essentially say that this is happening. I'm also, I think, for the cable networks, and they started doing this kind of late in the game and then pulled back. You know, when Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton is giving a speech and they say something, for instance, when Donald Trump says, here's a perfect example. When Donald Trump says Hillary Clinton is looking 
uh, to repeal the Second Amendment. Sure. That is a lie. It's a lie. That is not true. She isn't trying to repeal the Second Amendment. That's very different from him saying Hillary Clinton is attacking and undermining the Second Amendment to the point where it will be almost as bad as a repeal. So there are things that we can do as a business to reestablish our credibility and our role as a nonpartisan arbiter. Um, I think that is the soul-searching that we ought to do. So, Glenn... Another uh, thing that I would say in general... If you are an informed citizen who is taking the time to read material from credible sources about this campaign, you had more of a wealth uh, of yeah, information about the information was out there. I, I guess that was where I was going. Is so yeah. so for for a couple cycles now, we've had uh, I think far more attention in national media, uh, especially to fact checking, and and there are entire organizations that are configured around the idea of fact checking. Think of Politifact. Uh, a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, Glenn a few Kessler years ago. does great work over at the Washington Post. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I'm not sure that I'm not sure we that. Did it. By the way, you know, we there was one day in the middle of the campaign when I was walking by a bank. You know, this is one of the benefits of being one of the older guys in the newsroom. Uh, we walked by a big bank of uh, of uh, TV uh, sets, and Donald Trump is on television, and he's on like all six networks that we were tuned into simultaneously, telling everybody that Trump University had the highest ratings in the Better Business Bureau. Right. Blatant falsehood. Not Blatant true. Falsehood. So we kept concocted at that moment an idea to fact-check pretty much every assertion that he made in a one-week period. And I think we found that he told a falsehood, a lie, dissembled uh, once every two and a half minutes when right. he was making a speech. <laughs> that's pretty, I mean, that's a real that's thing. You know, and, 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 and one of the things I think people miss, we're doing a lot of hand-wringing and soul-searching as journalists on this, and that's understandable because we missed the big story. But one reason we are having conflict with Donald Trump and the major source of conflict with Donald Trump is super simple. We are calling him out on things that he says that aren't true, that and aren't he true. doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, let's go to Dan in Livonia. Dan, welcome to Detroit Today. Morning, Stephen. I think it's... Uh... I think it's just a worrying frenzy of information and entertainment. Uh, it's very uh, Orwellian, if you will. Um, I mean, many people get their information off Snapchat. You can watch the debates on Snapchat, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, and they don't take the time to read Clayton Kessler's column in the Washington Post. Um, you know, the, I think there was something, it, it's an instant gratification society. There's no, there's no checking. Trump says it, and... The, the traditional media, yes, they have a responsible, but uh, responsibility to um, inform people. But in a lot of cases, they almost perpetuate it because, regardless of what Trump says, it sells, and um, it sells more than, say, John Kasich's substantive arguments sure. about reforming Social Security. Um, and so, I just think it's it's a problem of, you know, you, you have millions of voters who are just getting their information off of what they hear in a five, ten second soundbite and they're right. not actually checking. Yeah. Uh, Dan, that's a great that's a great point. Glenn Thrush, I, I want to ask you about the role of social media. Uh, one of the things that's true is that the, the people who own social media, Mark Zuckerberg, for instance, at Facebook, have have played a very uh, sort of background role in in policing the way that their media are used. In other words, the, the the platform that Facebook offers people can be used for all kinds of things, including the dissemination of falsehoods. 
what what's the what's the role? Should we expect that Mark Zuckerberg, for instance, would behave as though he were the publisher of the New York Times or the Washington Post? I mean, does he really have uh, a a similar role now because his platform is used the same way that uh, a newspaper or a magazine is? Oh, absolutely, and I think the the overlords of Twitter also, you know, a lot of us reporters. Uh, during this campaign, subject of death threats, there's doxing that takes place. Where, like, I know several women, female reporters, have had their apartment numbers and uh, addresses sure. printed on the internet because people didn't like what they were doing, and they've been subject of sort of sexually based threats and anti-Semitic and racial threats. I mean, it is time for these guys who have made a fortune. Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know what Mark Zuckerberg's net worth is right now, several but billion, his yeah. platform. Uh, as uh, some really great reporting by the Washington Post has revealed, was essentially a platform for a mass disinformation campaign. Yes. And also to the point where it like, created a cottage industry in, in Macedonia and other poor countries for creating fake news. And he was totally abetting that. Yeah. I think we've got to come... It is not censorship. You know, this is, again, getting back to the caller before the last one. This is where we really can exercise discretion, Right. It's not about, you know, in Britain they have a much uh, lower bar in terms of legal action on, on, on libel. Um, we don't need any of that. What we need are people who are, getting, who are making money hand over fist off of this stuff to start acting like grown-ups. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Glenn Thrush, chief political correspondent for Politico, host of Politico's Off Message podcast. Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Great talking to you. Absolutely. Uh, all right, up, up, up next, uh, Green Party candidate Dr. Jill Stein joins the show to talk about her recount effort here in Michigan. Stay with us on Detroit Today.